Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. You'd think that with the beautiful photographs that we have of our round blue planet, it would convince any doubters. But there are still some who insist that the world is flat. Flat Earth shows you that you are not a mistake, and you were uh, created, and so you have meaning, and you matter to the world. It's not testable, it's not measurable, it's not provable, it's not real. The Earth is flat. My reality, my senses tell me that the Earth is flat and stationary. That makes perfect sense that we live on a serving tray surrounded by mashed potatoes. Hello again, Hushlings. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our chum, Slick Frank Sanders. What is up, my dudes? Uh, Slick Frank Sanders here, the chum. Oh, it's good to be back, boys. Season three is shaping up to be a beautiful thing. I will tell you that much. Oh, you already know. We're in full swing, boy. We in full swing. The dinner plate is full. We're, we're going <laughs> to clean it up. Yeah, we're going to clean it up by our year anniversary, which is the live show, August 17th this year. We're going to push this live show pretty much every episode. We want to drill it into your heads because our, our year is going to be something spectacular. We're going to have... As usual, the giveaways, the hush trivia, we're going to be talking some of the biggest topics that we've covered so far. It's going to be phenomenal, spectacular, wonderful. You should be there. It's going to be uh, tremendous. Very well said. With that being said, welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Hushlings, if you tuned in for Last Debriefing 21, we covered hemp conspiracies. We got all into the marijuana industry. We covered William Hurst and his reasons for wanting to smother out the competition with hemp. We also got into Secretary of State Andrew Mellon and his mischievous motives as to why he wanted to end the marijuana industry with his patented chemicals for plastic and paper. And let us not forget that we got all into the pharmaceutical industry and their motives for wanting to get rid of the plant bunch of dicks bunch of fucking assholes greedy greedy assholes that's what it came down to always they always have been yeah that was a great episode hell yeah this episode for our 22nd debriefing here it is hushlings flat earth long awaited long awaited it's so flat our biggest shame <laughs> but our biggest ex excitement <laughs> it's like my brain's wearing a diaper and it just shit itself <laughs> But before we put that burden on the back of the turtle, just want to remind everyone of our social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure when you go on Facebook, you join our Facebook group. We are memeing it up over there. We have information about our debriefings. We're having fun with our group members. It's a, it's a grand old time. And on top of it all, that is where we host our live debriefings at the end of every season. So make sure... Yeah, go join up. Be part of the society. Subscribe to everything. Just do it. That's our new motto. Just do it. Just do it. 
Make your way over to YouTube and find our YouTube channel. You can find all the audio for every debriefing up into including this one. Subscribe over there and get special prizes in the mail and unmarked packages. <laughs> discreet <laughs> unmarked packages. <laughs> Speaking of discreet unmarked packages, don't forget to check out Hush Hush Apparel, our entire line of clothing that's ever-changing. We're adding new things all the time. So put your tinfoil hat on, go over to hushhushsociety.bigcartel.com and check out all that dapper drip and you will get a discreet package in the mail that no one will know where it's coming from except you. And we also sell tinfoil hats over there. I make them myself. I will <laughs> ship them to you. Ronald's rep, only the best. Just give me a rough circumference of your head size. <laughs> you should make adjustable ones. <laughs> we can make that happen. <clears throat> snapbacks. Tinfoil hat snapbacks. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, man, we're on to something. All right. What do you say we really get on to something? Something a little bit more flat. What do you say? Let's get, let's get horizontal. The flat earth model is an archaic conception of the earth's shape, and it depicts it as a plane or a disk. Now, many ancient cultures subscribed to the flat earth cosmography, including Greece and bronze and iron age civilizations of the Near East, India, and China. In the most popular flat earth maps, the North Pole sits roughly at the center of the planetary disk, while Antarctica forms a giant ice wall along the planet's circumference. The equator forms a ring halfway between the two. The idea of a spherical Earth appeared in ancient Greek philosophy with Pythagoras, although most pre-Socratics retained the Flat Earth model. In the early 4th century BC, Plato wrote about a spherical Earth, and by about 330 BC, his former student Aristotle had provided strong evidence for this. Knowledge of the Earth's global shape then gradually began to spread beyond the world. Yet, somewhere, somehow, people still think it's flat. <clears throat> <laughs> so you, you said planet. I want to give people the definition of planet real quick. Say planetary, <laughs> a, a planetary body. Please. Now, a planet is an astronomical body orbiting a star or stellar remnant. We are orbiting a star, letting you all know. That is massive enough to be rounded by its own gravity, but not massive enough to cause thermonuclear fusion. And that is according to the International Astronomical Union. But not all planetary scientists, because some of y'all think it's flat still. Well, all right, so declassified Dave, I just want to point out, you say that you're some sort of conspiracy theorist, you believe in space? We'll get there. Space, uh, space ain't real, bro. <laughs> we'll I mean, there. if the Earth isn't round, space can't be real. It just doesn't line That's, up. No. The dots don't connect. There's that wonderful meme that just says it must work like this or something like that. And yeah, yeah. All, and all, all the dinosaurs the are is, like floating in space. Yeah, all the dish, the dish is just... <laughs> Let's get back and talk about our planet real quick. You know, the ball that we live on. <laughs> As you can see where my stance is right now on this. So if you're already mad at me, sorry, you got another hour. In case some of you are not familiar with the planet you live on, the Earth is the third rock from the sun and is the only astronomical object known to harbor life as we know it. About 29% of the Earth's surface is land consisting of continents and islands where you all live. 
The remaining 71% is covered with water. It has a circumference of about 8,000 miles, 7,917 and a half to be exact. Now that Dave filled you in with a little bit of the geography makeup of our planet, let's get into its axis. That's what makes us a little bit uh, dizzy. Now, the Earth's rotation, or spin, is the rotation of planet Earth around its own axis. The Earth rotates eastward in prograde motion. As viewed from the North Pole star Polaris, the Earth turns counterclockwise. Now, the North Pole is also known as the geographic North Pole, is the point of the northern hemisphere where the Earth's axis of rotation meets its surface. This point is distinct from Earth's North Magnetic Pole. The South Pole is the other point where Earth's axis of rotation intersects its surface in Antarctica. Earth rotates once in about 24 hours with respect to the Sun, but once every 23 hours, 56 minutes, and 4 seconds with respect to other distant stars. Due to the tidal effects the Moon has on Earth's rotation, Earth's rotation is slowing slightly with time, thus a day was shorter in the past. Now, even though the Earth's rotation is slightly slowing with time, that does not mean that we're not spinning fast as all hell. It's said that the Earth is rotating at about 1,040 miles per hour, constantly. Still not as exciting as a NASCAR race. Like we mentioned in the in Antarctic Bases episode, we talked about how could we feel the Earth rotating. I guess the difference would be, is we were talking about a continent on something that's already spinning, moving at a different rate of speed than mm. what we're spinning. So I guess you would feel that. Obviously, you feel earthquake. I guess, to answer our question, the reason why we don't feel it spinning is gravity, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking the reason why none of us feel it spinning is because the majority of humanity has spent its time on the planet, and we're all so accustomed to gravity that we don't see it as being weird. But if you were to go to, say, the moon and you don't feel that gravity and you come back to Earth, and I guess it's much more prevalent. You can feel the Earth spinning. Yeah, because the moon doesn't spin. It rotates around the Earth. That's due to the thrusters inside of the base that, <laughs> it, that it is made of. Uh, it's a slow turn. I had a thought, just real quick, before we move on. If the moon was made of cheese, uh, what type of cheese would it be? Well, see, this is something that I've been contemplating for years. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Every night I look up at the the cheese figure in the sky and I ask it, what cow were you milked from? (laughs) The constellation Taurus, duh. Ah, see, thank you. But but you got you milked the bull. If you're milking the bull, you're not getting the right kind of milk. (laughs) It's not cheese. Oh no. There's another uh, Mothman erotica episode for you. Oh shit. Milking Taurus. We keep talking about the axis of the Earth and its rotation. It's really difficult to explain the fact that while we're spinning in many different ways, we're spinning around the sun while things are spinning around that. The moon is spinning around us while we're spinning at our own rate, but we're also rotating on its axis. And it's really difficult to explain if you have zero background of astronomy because space isn't real. Thank God the Flat Earth Society figured it out for us, you know? (laughs) 
So let's delve into the actual conspiracy involved with the Flat Earth. Members of the Flat Earth Society and other Flat Earthers claim that NASA and other government agencies conspire to delude the public into believing the Earth is spherical. According to the most widely spread version of current Flat Earth theory, NASA is guarding the Antarctic ice wall that surrounds Earth. Alright, so here's the thing. First of all, I believe if you check out the Flat Earth uh, Society Facebook page, they say they have members all over the globe. Um, <laughs> so the thought here is that NASA and other governments are trying to hide the fact that the Earth is flat. Now, every time that I've ever gotten into a conversation with a flat earther, I have always asked the question, and it's a very, 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 very important question that nobody can seem to answer except with the most mundane, ridiculous, just straight up dumb answer. <laughs> Why? Why are they hiding the fact? Listen, if I found out that the earth is flat tomorrow, how much is it really going to change my life? Other than reteaching everything that I've ever learned throughout my entire life involving planetary bodies and space and all that other shit, what does it change? And everybody's answer every single time to why is for control. It's all about control. Ugh. But why? Because obviously it's easier to control a society that's on a sphere than on a disc. Because, see, if if you're on a disc, um, you can put up defenses around an ice wall and keep people from going beyond it. <laughs> you got you to get on a rocket and get off the planet. That's, yep. That's yeah. Way. You asked that question. Well, one thing that I have conversations with some people about is when people say that NASA photoshops the satellite images, of course, mm. the Earth is 8,000 miles wide. We have geostationary satellites and other things that are orbiting as almost as probably as far out, if not past the moon. They're taking pictures. It, they're, they're like, well, they're composites. Of course they're composites. It's not going to take one fucking picture. It's not how it works. It's not how telescopes work. It's not how the Hubble telescope work. But space is fake. Their biggest thing is that NASA photoshops satellite images, and they use that based on the observations of color changes in the oceans and image to image. They say that all these images are kept up through a large-scale practice of compartmentalization, which is something we've definitely talked about in multiple episodes throughout layers of government. Mm -hmm. And that there's only a select number of individuals that have knowledge about the truth about these said ice walls and the dome and this and that about this theory. But I think one thing before we go farther, and it's something that we should probably touch on, is a lot of this has to go into, and I don't want to offend anyone, but it has to go into creationism. I get into a lot of arguments with people mm. about that. They're like, well, that's the way it was designed. By who? Really? By NASA. <laughs> Flat Earth sometimes comes off as almost like a religious belief system for some people, so yeah. it's touchy. I always challenge a Flat Earther to explain to me about the Flat Earth without mentioning God. Because, okay, as you mentioned, something with, with a, a, a planned design. The Earth is only a planned design if it's a plane, so the Earth can't be an intelligent design as a sphere, which doesn't make sense. Why? If the great G.O.D. is in charge of the design of this planet, what would it matter if it was a sphere or a plane? 
I'm going to take a bold step and say that nowhere in the Bible does it say that the earth is flat. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think it would be pretty well-known knowledge if it did. I think more Christians would probably point that out if it was a thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A large amount of the Christian faith would be flat earthers in, in that sense. The early Egyptians and the early Mesopotamians thought that the world was portrayed as a disc floating in the ocean. You know, they, they thought they were just encompassed by water, and that was it. The pyramid texts and coffin texts of ancient Egypt show a similar cosmography. The Israelites also imagined the earth to be a disc floating on water with an arched firmament above it that separates the earth from the heavens. The sky was a solid dome with the sun, moon, and planets, and even the stars embedded within it. Snow globe. You've got these ancient civilizations pretty much just saying, you're stuck on land and it's surrounded by water and there's a dome above you and everything in, in space is just part of that dome. Yep. That's it. Which, you know, they, they obviously knew better. They knew what they were talking about. In Greece... Homer described a disc cosmography of the Shield of Achilles. His description of the disc cosmography of the Shield of Achilles with the encircling ocean is repeated far later in narrations of the Trojan War. Several pre-Socratic philosophers believed that the world was flat. Thales in 550 BC, Leucippus in 440 BC, and Democritus in 460 to 370 BC, according to Aristotle. Tales also thought the earth floated in water, but like a log. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. It's just, it's just a giant log earth. Chocolate eclair earth. <laughs> Flat earth is so passe. If you don't believe that the earth is some sort of pastry, you're fucked. Anaximander believed that the Earth was a short cylinder with a flat circular top that remained stable because it was the same distance from all things. That makes sense, right? <laughs> come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> Haven't you heard about talk. this? Xenophanes of Colophon thought that the Earth was flat with its upper side touching the air and the lower side extending without limit. It's just dummy tall. The Earth is very tall. <laughs> <laughs> The ancient Norse and Germanic peoples believed in a flat earth cosmography with the earth surrounded by an ocean with the axis mundi, a world tree, a pillar in the center. That's another one of those accounts with a pillar in the center, huh? Mm. Maybe the pillar is referring to the log. <laughs> I imagine dreidel earth, you know? <laughs> big, big disc with pillar in the center, dreidel earth. I like it. In the world-encircling ocean sat a snake called Jormungadr. The Norse creation account states that during the creation of the Earth, an impassable sea was placed around it. It is kind of odd that throughout all these different cultures, not so much the flat part of it, but more so the all-encompassing ocean part of it mm -hmm. and i wonder if that's just because like everybody reached the ocean at some point and thought it just went on forever and ever and ever that could be or are we talking about like if we're talking about their ancient history could people have been here when there was a one major continent you know with the major ocean mm, that's a good point maybe that's where a lot of these belief systems come from is when you go back to pangeic times or it doesn't even have to be like a supercontinent thing it could just be People think that the land that they live on is the only land. 
Or it could be as recent as the last ice age when there was a lower sea level because there was more ice. So maybe well, there obviously was more land. You had a passable area up with Alaska to Russia and the Bering Strait. With the lower water level, there was more land. So people were living in bigger areas. They say in passable sea. I mean, if we're talking ancient times, this could be before the first. Maybe, maybe this is the second time we've invented sailing. Maybe it was before that. Yeah, that goes into a lot of ancient civilization type thing that people talk about. Graham Hancock, the old civilizations that maybe were not the first advanced civilization and other, you know, like the pure Reese map where things weren't supposed to exist because we weren't sailing the seas. And then you have this very detailed map that comes way before sailing. So it's very possible that even with primitive shipping techniques or or, uh, sailing techniques, they thought this ocean is vast and it goes on forever and it's impassable. Maybe if, if if you hit a hurricane, you're like, oh, the gods are angry. We better turn back. And this is the end. There's a lot of interpretation that goes into a lot of the things that ancient civilizations kind of ran into. I think we should do an episode maybe on just like cataclysms and stuff that could tie into like ancient civilizations. It might not be something that's insanely conspiracy based, but it might be kind of cool to touch on some ancient stuff. It might help with some of the listeners if you haven't listened to Hollow Earth or some of the other episodes that we've done that we touch on ancient civilizations. I think that would be kind of fun at some point. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. A little extra bonus. Let's go a little bit east and talk about ancient China. Now, the prevailing belief was that the earth was flat and square. So we have motherboard earth or board <laughs> earth, whichever one you want to talk about. Or pizza box earth. I really like that one. I think that's, that's a good one, yeah. But the heavens were round, an assumption virtually unquestioned until the introduction of European astronomy in the 17th century. Wow. It was just like a bunch of cogs floating around on each other until the 17th century. Hmm. That's probably like one of the closest we get until we get into some modern flat earth beliefs. Yeah. This brings us to the maps, the physical representation of our planet, how we look at it. Alexander Gleason created Gleason's new standard map of the world in 1892 and patented it to show how longitude and time could be calculated by tracing an indicator around the globe. Essentially, this map uses a polar projection, centering the North Pole and flattening the globe outwards around the edges. And this map wasn't just a handy device for the measurement or a way of showing off a novel projection. For Gleason, it supported his belief that the globe theory of a round Earth was false. There are many other renditions of the flat Earth map. There's the standard monopole flat Earth map commonly used by the modern flat Earth society. That's the one you're, if you Google flat Earth map, that's the one you're going to see the most. Isn't that like the UN map? Yeah, I was just going to say, that's the one that everybody connects to the UN. Samuel Burley Robotham's original map of the flat Earth was presented in Earth is Not a Globe all the way back in 1841. The flat Earth was depicted in the New York Journal in January 31st, 1897. There's interesting pictures of that that you could look up. A Charles K. Johnson era map was produced by the Flat Earth Society. Exact publication date is unknown. It's figured around the 1980s. Wilbur Glenn Valiva's Flat Earth Map in Modern Mechanics and Innovation was published in 1931. Samuel Robotham's Flat Earth Map of the World was around 1873. Professor Orlando Ferguson's Map of the Square and Stationary Earth 
was around 1893. That one is really fascinating because it looks like a roulette table. The modern belief of a flat earth, though, is kind of funny to me because you look back and it's obviously all these things were presented in like the 1800s. A belief of a flat earth is believing things that happened before modern science. But didn't we already know of celestial bodies? It's just ridiculous. Like you live in 2021, you should be able to look at something and go, oh, that was in the 1870s before they knew what the fuck was going on. Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> believe in that anymore. I don't know. Just my take on it. But, you know, speaking of modern flat earthers, Samuel Robotham went on to write under the pseudonym Parallax. Very crazy name. And in 1849, he produced the pamphlet of the Zetetic Astronomy. And he argued for a flat Earth and published the results of many experiments that tested the curvatures of water over a long drainage ditch. Followed by another... <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. It's, hey, you gotta do it. Hey. He performed another experiment called the Inconsistency of Modern Astronomy and its opposition to the scripture. Mm. Boom, right there. Right there, I'm telling you. That's where it connects every time. Every time. Sorry. <laughs> Got excited right there. William Carpenter, a printer originally from Greenwich, Carpenter published Theoretical Astronomy Examined and Exposed, proving the Earth not a globe in eight parts from 1864 under the name Common Sense. <laughs> he later immigrated to Baltimore, where he published 100 Proofs the Earth is Not a Globe in 1885. Wow. So this guy was adamant that this shit was flat. Lady Elizabeth Blount created the Universal Zeotic Society in 1893. She created a journal called Earth, Not a Globe Review, which sold for two pence, as well as one called Earth, which only lasted from 1901 to 1904. Three years, very short-lived. Well, of course, it's only titled Earth. Yeah, who wants to know about a globe or just a planet in general? Nobody. In 1898, during his circumnavigation of the world, Joshua Slocum encountered a group of flat earthers in Durban, South Africa. Again, just pay attention to the fact that you are holding on to a belief of something <laughs> that was printed and you had to pay two pence for it. Not 50 cents. Not not a dollar. Not even 15 not cents. Like two, two pence. Two pence. Just think about that for a second. Ancient beliefs. Ancient. From 1915 to 1942, Wilbur Glenn Voliva, who in 1906 took over the Christian Catholic Church, of course he did, a Pentecostal sect that established a utopian community in Zion, Illinois, preached flat earth doctrine. He used a photograph of a 12-mile stretch of the shoreline at Lake Winnebago, Wisconsin, taken three feet above the waterline to prove his point. He offered a $5,000 reward for proving that the Earth is not flat under his own conditions, of course, under his own conditions, and teaching a globular Earth was banned in the Zion schools. Wow. There's a guy on YouTube that I watched before we did this, and I watched this video... A couple videos. One guy that, that really, it, he's really funny. I guess he's a professor in a college. It, it's a YouTube channel called Professor Dave Explains, and it's destroying flat earth with using science, and it's like five or six parts. 
So if you're a flat earther, he's going to rip you to shreds because he is very smart. And then there's another one that I saw where you had mentioned taking a photograph on a shoreline. Now, there's another guy that's up in Canada that I watched a video of where he took a photo of another lake that's very, very long about the same distance where you can actually see the curvature of the earth. And he did the same thing with like a boat where he took a picture of the boat at three feet, almost at eye level, and then at the waterline. And he was using a full professional jib and everything. So it was smooth as hell. And he was going up and down. And as you were going up and down, you could see the ferry on the other side of the lake, which was like nine miles away, was disappearing. Complete evidence. That's not refraction of light. You're seeing the curvature of the earth. And it only takes a couple miles to Probably really just see Photoshop, it. Dave. Yeah, it probably was. In 1956, Samuel Shenton set up the International Flat Earth Research Society, better known as the Flat Earth Society from Dover, UK, a direct descendant of the Universal Zetetic Society. Now, we, we say Zetetic a lot because that's pretty much their like main theory of this flat earth. That's thing. their astronomy. Yeah. We jump to 2018, very modern. Astronomer Yael Naze analyzed the controversy over a PhD dissertation proposed by a student at University of Sfax in Tunisia, which defended a flat earth as well as a geocentric model of the solar system and a young earth young sexy earth it's like when you cut open a pepper and there's a little baby pepper growing inside i'd say what you can take from all of that is mostly it's from the 1800s so this guy in 2018 i guess i don't know what you're looking at but okie dokie smoky just before samuel shenton set up the flat earth research society the soviet union launched the first artificial satellite sputnik and shenton went on to say would sailing around the isle of wight prove that it were spherical it is just the same for those satellites that is such an illogical <laughs> statement. That's like, let's fly a plane in, in a circle around an island compared to orbiting a fucking satellite around a planet. Mm. It's apples and oranges or eclairs and pizza boxes. I mean, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever we're talking about here. Shatton was a determined man, if you haven't already figured that out. He was a very determined man to spread his beliefs. His primary aim was to reach children before they were convinced about spherical Earth. He wanted to implement his ideas into the young minds of children before they learned conventional science about our planet. Despite plenty of publicity, the space race eroded Shenton's support in Britain until 1967, which is fairly reasonable, when he started to become famous due to the Apollo program. In 1972, Shenton's role was taken over by Charles K. Johnson, a correspondent from California. He incorporated the society and steadily built it up to about 3,000 members. He spent years examining the studies of flat earth and round earth theories and proposed evidence of conspiracy against flat earth. He states in Science Digest magazine in 1980, the idea of a spinning globe is only a conspiracy of error that Moses, Columbus, and FDR all fought. He also goes on to say, if it is a sphere, the surface of a large body of water must be curved. The Johnsons, I guess speaking about himself, he checked the surfaces of Lake Tahoe and the Salton Sea and did not detect any curvature. They're just slapping the top of the water saying, see, see, it's flat. See how flat that is? <laughs> the society declined in 1990s following a fire at the headquarters in California, and Johnson died in 2001. The society was revived as a website in 2004 by Daniel Shenton, no relation to Samuel Shenton. He believes that no one has provided proof that the world is not flat. <laughs> and you haven't provided proof that it is. 
I was looking on the Flat Earth Society website, and we had mentioned that one of these guys got famous because of the Apollo Project. So there's a couple of things that didn't look into all of them, but there's a couple things about the Apollo Project that directly on their website, and it gives you links. And here's the thing that I really didn't like about their website is that I'd say about 60% of those links that are bulleted on their website, they don't work. So (laughs) there's some weight for you in that one. In the Apollo Project, they think NASA fraudulently landed a spacecraft on the moon. And I'm pretty sure not to give out any tidbits or sneak peeks. We might be doing an episode on that pretty soon. But they want to know how NASA did it on the moon ball. They say that astronauts were on wires. And they say there was no delay in communication between astronauts and mission control. They also take a close look at the lunar lander, which that website didn't exist. The Apollo moon buggy problems, looked up that one, didn't exist. (laughs) Broken link. I guess there's speakers on the moon. That's pretty cool. My favorite one is the Apollo Sun is a stage light. That's the best one. Who's and paying for that electric bill? You are with yeah, your tax yeah. dollars. Us? With wow, with my taxes. Well, hey. <laughs> where's the switch? So essentially what we're getting at with this is that they basically believe, believe that the moon landing was fake. So I guess we're going to have to talk about Flat Earth again. Shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> We've been putting this off, guys, for like almost a year. So Everything's fake. Everything's fake. The, the Mars rovers are fake. All the satellites are fake. The moon landing's fake. Space is fake. They claim that NASA's faking the colors of the Martian sky. Now, mm. it's just some Arizona desert, and they're just, like, changing the hue. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's that easy, guys. It's all Listen, not, not to delve too much into NASA hoaxes, but there is possibility to some of the things that they say. Some of the things that they say. Who, NASA or Flat, Flat Earthers? Earthers? Only only when it when it comes to this Project Apollo, which is AKA the moon landing. Okay, yeah. And how it relates to NASA. NASA does do some pretty weird things. They do dodgy shit. They do do some some odd stuff. I will grant them that. But to relate that and say they are hiding something such as the Earth is flat. It's a little out there. But yes, I will give credence to the fact that NASA does some weird shit that is quite, quite mm-hmm. questionable. Especially when it comes to Mars and photos that you've seen that could have been covered up and stuff. Because I don't want to get into it so heavy, you know, because we're talking about a whole nother flat planet. Are you implying that Mars is also flat? And made of cheese. As well. Well, uh-huh. you have to remember that sp- that space is not real. So, therefore, other planets yes. are not real. You saying, well, all the other planets are round, you're just conditioned to believe that planets exist and that they are round. When, in fact... <laughs> all right. So, what, what about, like, meteors and meteorites? Where do those come from? Or are they just part of the dome falling it's off? It's part of the firmament. It's probably, just, it's probably just part of the dome. Yeah. So, the dome is made up of rocks and, like... Yeah. Geological it, matter is what they're firmament. saying. It's a rock it's firm. It, yeah. Oh, oh, there. That that's what I was missing. Thank you. Once the glass hits the atmosphere, it turns to rock. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. They have it figured out, man. The heat from the three thousand mile wide sun that's floating. They also believe that the Cassini Saturn missions were all faked and everything was photoshopped. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they were. And you know what? This is the thing. I want to go back to it real quick. They do Photoshop stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. You can't not Photoshop things. Do you know how big fucking Saturn is and how small Cassini is and how many pictures it has to take 
to get the resolution and clarity of the images well, that they, they're Well, they believe that if you can send a satellite out there, then you can send an 8K camera with it, and it should be able to take photos on its own. You shouldn't have to Photoshop these things. You also have to remember that when Cassini was orbiting Saturn, it was going at 68,000 miles Yeah, so miles that's exactly it. Motion blur. You guys are being way too logical. You, you got to throw this logic in the fucking garbage. You got to chill with that. That's not counting probably radiation f- from space and all that other stuff that comes into play. You're not getting perfect photos. It's not like you're taking a photo down at the local park. Yeah, also their cameras are a lot better than the one that's in your iPhone 12. Moving forward into some of the other things that they believe, and then we can get into some science, which I can't wait for. These are my favorite four. They believe the International Space Station is probably fake every Mm -hmm. star field picture we take is fake that the earth is actually an egg that's my favorite one and that's true though because if the earth is globular it is wider at the equator than it is at the poles and slightly flattened at the poles the biggest one that's my favorite is that the google maps background is composite well yeah it's a fucking map app when they show you a satellite image it's thousands of images built up together and then one that was very vague was that there's bubbles and lights and i would imagine that's the stars and the sun and all this other stuff and then they go into the chinese space hoax where they said the chinese faked their spacewalks which i'm sure the chinese are on the far side of the moon (laughs) honestly in all honesty i don't have a lot of patience for this theory no because it's kind of absurd to think that we're the only flying saucer i guess statistically how many billions of stars do we have in our galaxy? And all of them at least have one planet. It'd be odd to know that we're just the only snow globe. Not only that, but we're a Cadbury egg. Hushlings, we will return after these brief messages. Are you into the secret histories of exorcisms, Christmas massacres, kill dozers, and concert disasters? How about haunted mansions, the Philadelphia Experiment, the Dorm of Death, or candy corn? Then you're going to love Ghost Town, a hilarious and sometimes not so hilarious twice-weekly podcast. On Wednesdays, we discuss the secret history of an abandoned, unexplored, haunted, or mysterious place from anywhere in the world. And on Fridays, we cover an amazing historical failure from any time in history. Ghost Town is 100% safe and legal. We guarantee it. It's also fun, spooky, and can contain a riot, a massacre, a murder, or an arch deluxe. I'm Rebecca Lieb. I'm Jason Horton. And And this this is Ghost Town. Town. And you can find Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. So we really want to get into the science portion. Let's get into it then. Let's get into it. Let's talk about why Flat Earth probably doesn't exist. And none of it I actually understand. Our first scientific point is Foucault's pendulum. Now, Foucault's pendulum is a device named after the French physicist Leon Foucault, who in 1851 famously hung a heavy 28 kilogram brass bob from a 67 meter chain in the Pantheon in Paris. Such a pendulum can swing in any plane and changes directions during the course of a day, yielding direct evidence of the Earth's rotation. Another phenomenon that proves the Earth is a spinning globe is the Coriolis force, which acts perpendicular to the direction of motion of a spinning mass. This force leads to cyclones swirling clockwise in the southern hemisphere and counterclockwise in the northern hemisphere. Through the direction of winds, it also impacts ocean currents. 
Long-range military snipers even have to make allowance for deflections caused by the Coriolis effect. Yeah, they have to calculate wind speed and the Earth's spin. Ask a sniper, he'll tell you that the Earth is round. Imagine finding a flat Earth sniper that's like, nah, it's just bullshit. He misses every shot. Yeah, yeah, he's a stormtrooper. <laughs> the precession of the Earth's axis has a number of observable effects. First, the positions of the south and north celestial poles appear to move in circles against a fixed space backdrop of stars, completing one circuit approximately every 26,000 years. That's called the precession of the equinox. That's us spinning in our full wobble that we talked about. Secondly, the position of the Earth in its orbit around the sun at its solstices, equinoxes, or other time-defined relatives to the seasons. It slowly changes while we wobble. For example, suppose that the Earth's orbital position is marked at the summer solstice when the Earth's axial tilt is pointed directly towards the sun. It'll take 26,000 years for us to actually make a full rotation of that precession. Mm -hmm. If you're into astronomical stuff and astrology, it kind of goes hand in hand with the precession because that's how you get the different constellations. The way that the sky looked 26,000 years ago probably looked similar, but 13,000 years ago, this sky looked completely different from where you're standing at. I guess that's the only way to really make that make sense. But if it's flat, it doesn't matter. Well, what about airplanes? If you look at the flight paths of airplanes, they seem strange when we see them on a flat map for a couple of reasons. Contrary to what explorers believe hundreds of years ago, Earth is not flat. Instead, it's a sphere that's slightly flattened at the poles. When traditional flat maps are made, distortion occur where the sphere is made flat. Those flight paths that don't appear straight on a flat map will look quite straight if you look at them on a globe. Instead of relying on flat maps, airplanes follow quote-unquote great circle routes that account for the curvature of the Earth. What looks like a long detour on a flat map actually turns out to be the shortest route across the globe through the air. See, that's the Gleason map. Mm -hmm. That was for circumnavigating, right? That was for navigation purposes. Yeah. So it would make sense if you're looking at the map from the North Pole that the latitudinal lines that you're going through would get larger in a sense as you get towards the center or the other side of the planet because you have to equate that time yeah. and the distance that you're going. So it does distort everything. I guess the way that they're explaining their theory is that it must be a flat circle because flight paths rely on a curve on that map but it's a straight line on a globe because you are going in a straight line yeah you're flying within the curvature of the atmosphere yeah which is the same essentially the same shape of the planet why would maps look curved well that's the way that map is set up and yeah. it kind of it's funny that they call it the great circle because i guess it adds weight to those theories because they're like oh well they call it the great circle because that's what it is but it's not entirely true because there are you are giving you the fastest route in a straight line yeah that's why you have layovers instead of doing full flights around the globe because it doesn't work like that if you were going from say new york to los angeles and it's one flight and it's not a straight line, and it's that curve that they explain or say that that's what's happening, yeah. then you would be pitched at a 30-degree angle the entire time. Yeah, Slight, slightly nose down. Yeah. If you were on the right side of the plane, you'd be looking downward the entire time. And when you're in a plane, and if you haven't been in a plane, get in a plane. <laughs> you can feel when the plane moves side to side or when it changes. <laughs> when it, You can feel when the plane actually changes the flight path, especially if it's a, a, like a curve because yeah. you can feel the whole plane go left or right, you know, and you're feeling that. It doesn't hold any weight for me. And see, we talked about it with Antarctica. Why don't planes fly over Antarctica? Because it fucking sucks. Yeah, because there's no need to. Yeah, there's nothing down there. It's unnecessary. Yeah. 
that was the argument of flat earthers. They said, well, if it was a globe, then pilots would have to constantly adjust the pitch of the plane. So they would constantly have to fly nose down to to adjust for the curvature of the earth. But it's so ever slight. That's the thing. But they don't understand that it has to do with atmospheric changes and it has to do with gravity and it has to do... <laughs> There's so many reasons as to why that's a flawed argument. There are no pilots out there that are adjusting and keeping their nose pitched down while they're flying. To get you to Europe, no. <laughs> no. That's not how it works. And that brings up more of that argument of, well, if we were spinning at a thousand miles per hour, we would feel it. Well, does a fucking fly feel that you're going 70 miles an hour when it's stuck in your car? No. No, it's... but it does when it gets outside the car. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. That's one of the bigger arguments that I've seen is the flight paths. And that holds zero weight because I've been in planes many times. You've been high enough to where you can see the curvature of the Earth. If you can see the curvature of the Earth at water level for a lake that's got 12 mile distance, then imagine being at 40,000 feet. I'm pretty sure those windows in every airplane are actually just LCD screens projecting an image to make you think that the earth is curved. I've gotten the argument that they're they're fisheye windows to make it look like it's curved. <laughs> oh, like, oh, so oh the, yeah. So the course. entire airline yeah. industry is in on the, the conspiracy as well. That's the right? greatest, the fisheye lens. Why would NASA have to use a fisheye lens when they're in space? Uh, so that you can see more of what the fuck is going on. It's not to put curvature to their pictures. Fisheye lenses show more of a field of view. That's all it is. Another interesting argument that the flat earthers use to prove their point is how you can sometimes see a city skyline from far away when it should be disappearing behind the curvature of the earth. There is a natural phenomenon that could possibly explain away what they're seeing and why you can still see a city skyline when realistically you shouldn't be able to, and that would be a superior mirage. A superior mirage occurs when the air below the line of sight is colder than the air above it. This unusual arrangement is called a temperature inversion. Since warm air above cold air is the opposite of the normal temperature, it's not how it's really supposed to be. Superior mirages are quite common in polar regions, especially over large sheets of ice that have a uniform low temperature. Superior mirages also occur at more moderate latitudes as well. Although those cases, they are weaker and tend to be less smooth and stable. Think of a jittery mirage. <laughs> Too much coffee. <laughs> Phasing in and out. A superior mirage can be right side up or upside down depending on the distance of the true object and the temperature gradient. Often the image appears as a distorted mixture of up and down parts. One example of this is, not sure if it was a few weeks ago or a few months ago as time of this recording, everybody was freaking out saying that some sort of English cargo ship seemed to be floating above the water, defying gravity, not in the water, and that was a big example of a superior mirage. So it made it seem like the cargo ship was floating when in fact it was just this phenomenon trick of the eyes and the atmosphere wasn't that another one like the flying dutchman like maybe that's be, where that came from that'd it's be interesting be ghost ship yeah it's most common with ships because of the atmosphere above water and stuff like that you see that more commonly in marine or in shipping it can happen with buildings that are on the water 
or uh, cities that are near water, you get the reflection of the city on the water, and that is kind of projected up into the atmosphere higher than it than it actually is. And that's why you see the city from so far away. It's not that you're actually seeing the, the city in the elevation of the city isn't changing over the curvature, it's that this mirage is creating the effect that the city is higher than it is, and you're actually seeing just a reflection. And this isn't like just some weird rare occurrence. It it happens pretty frequently. If you just type in Superior Mirage into Google Images, you can look at dozens and dozens, even hundreds of pictures of examples of this. I even saw one of a floating iceberg. It happens to boats, city skylines, icebergs, really anything that has the potential to disappear below the curvature of the Earth, it has the potential to have this effect on it. So what makes the argument then? If mirages come up and they're like, well, that, that the earth is flat then, mm-hmm. what's the weight on that? Just because you can see it? Yeah, they're going visually, I would imagine. That would mean from a thousand miles out, you'd be able to see, depending on how powerful it is, a lighthouse. But you can't. It also depends on those temperature gradients. It depends on the atmosphere. So it's not. it doesn't happen to literally everything that you look at. No. It does depend on that flipping of the normal temperature gradient. There are definitely atmospheric conditions that need to be met in order for this visual to happen. I'm sure you've seen mirages, especially out in the desert. It's very mm-hmm. easy to see, especially when it's flat and it's the air temperature is really, really hot. And especially like mid mornings too, around noon when you can see the temperature gradient on the ground. I think anybody can see it. You can see it in any movie where you see them filming like a desert road and you just see the ripples of air right off the street. That's a mirage in itself. It's the same kind of effect. There's your explanation as to why you think that cities aren't dipping below the curvature of the earth. I'd love to hear somebody explain this one away, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't continue without talking about the sun and how the sun works with our glorious flat earth. In 1980, Carl Sagan co-wrote and narrated the award-winning 13-part PBS television series Cosmos, A Personal Voyage, was also a book, which became the most widely watched series in the history of American public television until 1990. I wonder what beat it out, Married with Children or something like that? (laughs) Is that that 1990? Saved by the Bell. Yeah, Saved by the Bell. (laughs) The show has been seen by at least 500 million people across 60 countries. Now, if you haven't seen this, you can buy the video still. I think they still sell it on DVD. It's like astronomically expensive. You see what I did there? (laughs) (laughs) And hard to find. But in one of the episodes, he explains, I think it was one of the Alexandrian scholars, Eratosthenes, and Mm -hmm. they did an experiment where they're looking at obelisks or sticks at different parts of Egypt, one in Alexandria, one farther south. And they ended up seeing different shadows at different places. And actually, I guess in the in the way that he explains it in the show, he made somebody actually walk the distance to see the paces. So Damn. yeah, that's that's some dedication to find out. But in the end, I guess in that experiment, he found out from the distance from city to city, measuring the shadow that the sun casted It was actually like around seven degrees. So it actually got him to do the math and find the actual circumference of the globe Mm -hmm. that we are on. And that's pretty much a very easy way to explain it would be if you watch the show, he takes literally a piece of paper with two obelisks obelisks on it and bends it. And you can see the difference of the shadow. Yeah. 
I'm I'm not trying to defend the flat earth theory. I'm not necessarily a subscriber of it and I'm not trying to um shit on Carl Sagan's experiment by any means. But you said he had somebody walk from city to city to take these measurements, right? The scholar did. Yeah. Back in the, back, back in the, the Egyptian times. Get your Birkenstocks and hike through the desert, bro. Sagan just talks about the experiment and how it was performed. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you were to walk from city to city, wouldn't wouldn't the the shadow vary with how how the sun moves throughout time? Like, how long does it take to walk from city to city? I don't know. I'm sure they figured it all out, but the the walking was to determine the distance. It of wasn't the city. all distance. at one one time. No, that okay. was part of the experiment. The walking was to determine the distance to between the two cities. One of the arguments of flat earthers is that the sun is just on this flat plane, obviously, so it's it's shining down. But the problem is mm. when you have a single light source on a flat surface, it casts the same shadows on everything that is vertical. Buildings, trees, whatever. All the shadows would be the same length at the same time of day all over the entire planet. As we know, that's not a thing that happens. Carl goes into, like Dave said, he, he kind of like curves the paper. And you see as he curves it, the different shadow lengths off of these monoliths that he has, you know, attached to this board. That doesn't happen when you're on a flat plane with sunlight or with light rays. Yeah. Now, one of the things that flat earthers say about the sun is that it moves in some sort of figure eight motion because there's an explanation for everything and all of the explanations are fucking ridiculous but there's an explanation as no, to why sense, yeah. the other <laughs> side of the earth is dark at night while one side of the earth is light they say mm-hmm. because of the movement of the figure eight of the sun that on the precipice of one side of the figure eight is light then the opposite of that is on the other side of the the figure eight but if the how does the but is the figure eight moving in a twenty four hour period? Because if it's moving in a twenty four hour period, then doesn't explain any seasonal changes on a planet. No, and and as we all know, the entire planet goes through seasonal changes. It's like why it would be winter in the United States and summer in Australia. They have different seasons at the same time of year. Well, that's mm-hmm. the reason why it's summer in the southern hemisphere when it's winter in the northern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. I think we explained it before a little bit earlier. When you're dealing with the precession and the way that the Earth wobbles on its axis is mm-hmm. the exact reason why you're getting seasons, not because of a figure eight motion from something that's, what, 3,000 miles away? Yeah. I don't think people realize that the sun is 93 million miles away. Yeah. And you can fit, like, what, a million fucking Earths in it? They don't think that the sun is 93 million miles away. You have to look at it from... It, it's it's tough to say, but you have to look at it from their point of view and in the way of the way that they think. So if they think mm-hmm. that the sun is actually, oh, the sun is only 1,300 miles away or whatever they believe, then that kind of changes the perspective and throws out the science that we all so hold dear. They describe the sun as like a big spotlight. So it's a spotlight on a track that goes in a figure eight and shines down and shoots down at you, but it, it just doesn't. It doesn't account for a whole lot of naturally occurring things that happen on the planet. Is is that their defense for the seasons, the sun? Like, it's figure eight and it's distance? Because that, that doesn't make sense. 
it, do, it doesn't make sense in if you look at the 24-hour time period of a day, and it doesn't make yeah. it doesn't make sense if you take that into account versus the four seasons of the year that take place over 12 fucking months. It it doesn't it doesn't explain it. It's also just look outside. You can explain till you're blue in the face. Oh, it moves in a figure eight. That's the reason why. But still explain why in August the sun goes straight up over your head from east to west. And then in December, it's 25, 30 degrees lower in the sky in the south. The figure eight motion, especially if it works in a 24 hour period, doesn't explain the fact that the axis of the earth is tilting back and forth and the sun is hitting us at a different angle. Do flat earthers just discredit gravity? They discredit Probably. a lot of things. <laughs> you have to ignore gravity because gravity isn't real. Uh, you have to ignore. Oh, yeah. You have to ignore physics. You have to ignore astronomy. You have to ignore literally fucking ninety percent of science. You have to ignore, and I think that's one thing that flat earthers, at least the not the wild, outstanding ones, but the, the ones who look at it from a real point of view, the ones who say, well, I'm going to question it. I don't know all the facts. And, you know, the ones that are level headed, they don't stop and think about the fact that you have to suspend your belief of all sciences of like all known science. You literally have to just say that's not real. Yeah. So like formation of planets, formation of elements. It's not a thing. Everything. You have to just ignore that and say that it's not a real thing. And I guess that's where the whole God thing comes in and the grand creator and this has to be a plan. And, and I understand it. You want to believe in something. Everybody wants to believe in something. But you can still believe in something and not be mutually exclusive in believing that the earth is flat. Why can't God just make a fucking ball? What's the difference? Like, how much does it change your life? Nobody's saying, oh, the earth is round, so therefore God isn't real. That has nothing to do with it. The one no, one is not exclusive that. to the other. It's just not. You can have religion and science. They have you coexisted you, you for many a, many a millennia. <laughs> I just can't. I can't wrap my mind. But then again, the, the, the flat earth idea is nothing new. No. It's nothing as, as new. We've it's discussed. just ramped up in popularity for some reason amongst a civilization of scientific advancement. It's just bewildering. I'd yeah. love to have a really good sit-down conversation with like a really well-versed flat earther because I just I can't wrap my head around this stuff. I will tell you a little secret. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been in talks. Been in talks with some people. So... I'm almost afraid to, especially when it comes to the internet. <laughs> I am also afraid of that because I'm afraid that I would bring <laughs> that we would bring somebody on the show and I would turn around and just like 20 minutes into the episode, just be like, shut the fuck up. Just fucking punch my monitor. <laughs> all in all with the sun theory, that's one of the more preposterous ones in my opinion. Mm. Mm -hmm. it's but it's, it's a pillar of their belief. I know. It's... <laughs> It's, and it's so out there. Okay. Before we move on, <laughs> the thing that bugs me when it gets back to that whole God in creation thing is that you really, 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 you so much believe in a God that is so very much one dimensional. You really believe that God just made it that simple. <laughs> oh, well, I can't come up with anything else that's amazing. So I'm just going to put this chessboard of a fucking planet down here and fucking Minecraft. I have this flashlight that runs on, on 
on D batteries, just gonna stick it up here on this track, and uh, like he's playing Roblox or something. Like it's what? Like a, it's like, like a, I don't it's understand. Like a fucking Lionel train set. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's a train set in the in the cr- Grand Creator's basement. Yeah, he's got the he's got the shop light sitting on it, and it moves around. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Like, reptile light. Oh, space isn't real because God didn't create space. Oh, wow. But, like how I would how fucking egotistical of you flat to earth? sit here and say that you want to you want to talk about how people are trying to deny the existence of God by saying that we live on a globe, but you want to sit here and say that he thinks like a fucking child and is playing around with toys and doesn't have the ability to create space, other planets, fucking stars, galaxies, the universe. <laughs> Another argument of the flat earthers is the fact that they allude to the dome. The dome of Antarctica. I, I don't know if they mix it up with the firmament. I don't know where the definitions cross, but you always hear them talking about the ice walls and you hear them talking about the firmament. And then they relate back to these late 1800s encyclopedias and books that talk about ice domes in Antarctica. And they say, see, this is the proof of ice domes in Antarctica. This is the proof of the firmament. Let me give you a little a little thing that we learned uh, just for this episode, and it has to do with glacial morphology. Now, if you are not familiar with glacial morphology, I don't know if we can have a conversation, but if you go into glacial morphology, you start to get into outland glaciers, valley glaciers, ice fields, ice streams, stuff like that, and you come across what's called an ice dome. An ice dome is a part of an ice cap or ice sheet that is characterized by upstanding ice surface located in the accumulation zone. Now, the accumulation zone is obviously where the accumulation of snow and other frozen precipitation gathers and creates hanging glaciers and avalanches and cliffs and all that great stuff. Ice domes are nearly symmetrical with a convex or parabolic surface shape. They tend to develop evenly over a landmass that may be either a topographic height or a depression, often reflecting the subglacial topography. In ice sheets, domes may reach a thickness that may exceed 3,000 meters. However, in ice caps, the thickness of the dome is much smaller. To put this into perspective, and it's a lot of jargon, ice domes are a naturally occurring formation that happens within depressions of land, of landmass. Think of like a valley, a small valley, and then in the accumulation zone is a little higher up in elevation, and it's starts to create literally a dome off of the glacier or off the cliff sides and the ice and the accumulation come down they freeze and they continue to build this dome and over time the thickness builds on it and you have a pocket in the antarctic landscape flat earthers always talk about in these old books and these old encyclopedias they talk about the dome That's what they're talking about. A naturally occurring thing that still happens to this day, and they are not talking about the firmament. The encyclopedia is not telling you that there is a dome over the earth. So what do they think? You just take your contact lens out of the solution, and they just pop it over the planet? Yeah. That's what we're dealing with here? Pretty much. If you've seen every illustration of what the firmament is supposed to look like on a flat earth, that's exactly what it looks like. Looks ridiculous. It looks like one of those silly little balls that you get out of uh, those things at the grocery store for 50 cents. It has a little toy in it, plastic (laughs) ones, the clear top. I just had a thought, really. If you're looking at the firmament and it does bubble out like that, like a contact lens, what would the light refraction do from 
the sun and hitting that dome. Well, is the sun inside the dome or outside of See, it? See, that's the question. I wonder... I think it's inside. Is the sun inside the firmament? I think that's how it goes. I'm not positive because I'm not a flat earther, but I think it's inside the dome. Because otherwise, what's the point of the dome? Yeah, exactly. Isn't everything like supposed to be enclosed in it? I guess that would put like a little bit of weight on there. The way that the sunlight hits us is that like how it spreads out everywhere. They're like, yeah. oh, that's how the sun's rays hit because it's hitting the dome. Well, I mean, yeah, it is essentially hitting a dome. It's hitting the atmosphere. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so as we discussed in multiple episodes with our wailing hot air balloons and our sims holes the ice walls of antarctica now this is according to the flat earth society this i stole completely from their website this is not my interpretation the ice wall is a natural formation a thick mass of floating ice that is attached to land formed from and fed by tongues of glaciers extending outward from deep within the uncharted tundra into sheltered waters Ooh, it's so riveting already. <laughs> there are no strong currents. The ice becomes partly grounded on the sea bottom and attaches itself to the rock and islands with those tongues and fingers of glaciers. The wall is pushed forward into the sea by glacial pressure until its forward growth is terminated. <laughs> Goes on to say the entire coast of the ice wall is not one single complete wall, however. There are actually a series of thousand-mile-long walls divided by trans-Antarctic mountain ranges up to 11,500 feet high. The weight of the ice walls is so enormous that they have literally pressed the land two-thirds of a mile into the earth. Isn't what they're describing gravity? No. 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 You know... No, that's, that's ice science. That's ice science you don't know about. They're essentially saying that the weight is pushing down and if gravity wasn't real which is a major component of their argument if gravity wasn't real then the weight of the ice would not matter to the landmass from what i got from that i read it twice so you're saying that the weight from these huge mountains that are 11,000 feet high that encircle the globe and push down on the rock and embed themselves like elmer's glue was just some giant crown of ice it makes no fucking sense to me and that's what's keeping all of yeah. us in? Mm-mm. By that theory, you would assume that very dense man-made structures would do the same thing. Yes. Like, look at the pyramids of Giza. Why aren't they halfway under the sand, mm. if that applies? Well, we build dams. I could only imagine that those ice walls aren't much heavier than, say, the Pyramid of Giza. That's got to be a pretty dense-ass structure. Oh, yeah. Why hasn't that sunk into the earth? If you're going to talk about flat earth and these ice walls, then then you can't even go back 11,000 years to like the last ice age because that means it doesn't exist. Because Antarctica and the Arctic, there's something different going on there at one point. I think they know that it was probably around 11 to 12,000 years ago. And the ice sheets in the northern hemisphere went all the way down to like modern Virginia or something. That melted. Crazy shifts happen. So how does that explain all that happening if the ice walls are just... So we went, we miraculously went from a cataclysm to a plate. Just makes no sense. Frank's final thoughts. Frank's final thoughts. You want my honest final thoughts? As I really yeah, want. Yeah, I do. We all do. Throughout this discussion, I've lost so many goddamn brain cells that I don't think I can function the rest of the day. To think that space isn't real and that the Earth is flat and that there's an ice wall around the Arctic 
you are so far gone. You are beyond saving. <laughs> you are what's wrong with humanity. Um, you are clinging on to pseudoscience from the 1800s that is literally backed up by nothing but fallacy. I don't know what's wrong with flat earthers. I, I don't know. I watched a documentary on flat earth and they kept on doing these experiments <laughs> and proving themselves wrong the whole time <laughs> for like a solid hour and a half. They were proving the globe earth theory and I genuinely felt bad for these people. <laughs> I hope you find help if you're listening to this and you subscribe to Flat Earth. Um, and I'm sorry for your family and friends. We still want we you as a listener. We still love you. My final thoughts. We still want you as a listener, though. Yeah, we still love you. Mike, I want to hear yours. Uh... I kind of mirror what Frank is saying in the terms of these people are holding on to beliefs and ideas that came from not only ancient civilizations, but also a bunch of pamphlets that were printed in the 1800s by people who are not very scientific. I understand your reservations when it comes to the oddities with NASA and them photoshopping images and them being a little weird and all that jazz and nasa also as we have previously talked about having a pretty big presence in antarctica i will say that again as frank said there are plenty of scientific experiments and science that will explain away all your beliefs of this great dinner plate that is on the back of a tortoise floating through whatever existence you think that we live in baseline argument of most flat earthers it comes down to creation it comes down to religion that's really all it boils down to as dave said we don't want to offend anyone with with religion or anything of the such but if you want to talk about the fact that the government is hiding the fact that we live on on a flat earth so that they can do away with religion and they can do away with the idea of god whatever it may be Honestly, we've proven over the course of three seasons that the government does not give a flying fuck about you. They don't care whether you believe in God or not. They don't give a fuck. They're not out to prove that your God doesn't exist because they don't care. It's an odd argument to sit and say that the government wants power over you. Of course they want, they want power over you. But whether you live on a flat plane or you live on a globe, it will not change anything. They have control of you over you from birth to death, no matter what you do or where you live or what you say. So, Flat Earth, sorry, not real, not happening, and uh, it's been proven multiple times. I need new arguments. I, I'd say the only thing, like you both had said, is for me, could say that there's oddities and anomalies, is yes, NASA does some weird stuff, and, and then the government also does not care and does not tell you 90% of what's going on. There's definitely things going on that we don't know about. The fact that the earth is flat is probably not one of them. I think them maybe hiding the fact that they might have found things on Mars or the moon could just be keeping us from mass hysteria. I mean, half of y'all believe that the earth is flat. Can you really understand that there's civilizations mm. that used to live on Mars? Wrap your mind around that. If you're wrapping your mind around ice walls on our planet, which the definition of a planet is a sphere, I can't subscribe to it, but I can subscribe that there's some shit going on that we can't explain. And in the argument of us not being able to get into Antarctica because of, like we talked about with Antarctic bases and touched on on hollow earth, that it's been taken over by multiple governments, Probably not because they're hiding ice walls. It's probably because it sucks, and they're probably just doing military testing there. 
or there's underground bases. I mean, that's it. Well, that is going to do it for our Flat Earth episode. Thank you for tuning in. What are your thoughts? Do you believe in a Flat Earth? Let us know. Reach out to us. You can reach us at our email at hushhushsociety at planetmail.com. Let us know if we are missing something. Let us know if we are heathens who are denying the existence of a grand creator. Also, be on the lookout for more Cryptid Chronicles episodes. We have a few planned this season and some in the works and plenty for the future. And if you have any cryptids that we have not heard of, please, like Mike said, from what he said before, reach out to us on any of the platforms you can and tell us something really weird because we want to do some weird shit. Don't forget Mother's Day is coming up. You're going to want to cop your mom some uh, fresh-ass drip for Mother's Day. Show her your appreciation. She's going to be stoked. You're going to be stoked. You guys can rep as Hushlings together. We always have new designs hitting the market. You got to get them while they're hot. Check it out. Hushlings, we want to thank you again for everything. All your support, downloads, listens, your dapper drip purchases. It makes us very happy to know that our drip is dripping all over the world (laughs) but thank you again hushlings for everything we're very blessed to be in season three and firing on all cylinders join us monday may 17th for debriefing 23 where we are covering harp Ooh, stoked on that one i'm declassified dave and i'm mystery mike and i'm slick frank sanders don't fall off the ice walls guys until our next debriefing remember The best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.